0: Investor Creator teaches both seasoned and new investors how to buy the right houses at the right price anytime you want. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a sustainable six or seven figure investing business that changes your life without sacrificing your freedom? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. All of this information is 100% free. So please subscribe to and review our podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Investor Creator, where I tell you the truth about what it takes to become a high-level seven-figure real estate investor. Guys, today we're going to be going over my top three crazy deals that I've ever had in my career, so you're going to want to stick around for that. It's going to go over some really over the top situations. And whenever you've done a lot of transactions, you just have things happen, right? It's like it just happens. And so we're going to go over a few of those. But what I want to do first is I'm going to go over quickly the deal of the day. And I think this will be a relatively quick podcast. But we just did a deal where this is just kind of a textbook bread and butter sort of deal. So this is a wrap. And so we bought a house for $20,000 the property is rented now. It's livable. It's in decent condition. It's kind of dirty. I mean, really it needs some flooring and some paint and that kind of thing. But whenever we sell with owner financing, we don't fix anything to the point. If the grass needs cut, somebody better go cut the grass because we're not. Okay. So we bought this property for $20,000 subject to $10,000. Okay. So it's $10,000 balance roughly. And our seller's getting $10,000 in cash whenever we close. So we're putting our buyer in place at seventy nine nine with ten grand down. So our net cash on this deal is even, so we have ten thousand going to our seller. We'll have ten thousand dollars come to us from the buyer. So all that is okay, but not great. But you know, the cool thing is, is that at closing we'll have a sixty nine thousand dollar note that's wrapped around a ten thousand dollar note. So we'll have fifty nine thousand dollars in note equity on this deal, and that would probably throw off—I don't know—I haven't even ran it—probably four or five hundred dollars a month in interest to us. And so it's not a bad deal. And so we may divert that interest payment to pay off this underlying ten thousand dollars quicker. So we have a first note and deed of trust. We may do that, or we may just keep the cash flow. You know, that's up to us. I'm not sure which way we're gonna go with it, but this is just a, a real clear-cut, easy example. If you understand notes, you understand wraps that we don't have any money in this deal, and we're gonna clear 60 or so thousand dollars plus the interest over the years. So it's a, a nice deal, a good deal, and a deal that I hope you learn how to do. So without further ado, we're gonna go over my top three crazy deals in my career. The first one I'm going to call Deer Lodge, which is the town that this deal was in, okay? So we had a guy call us, and he owed roughly, just for easy numbers, he owed like $50,000 on a mortgage that was severely behind. It was like six months behind. And the house was worth $175,000. So it's like, so far, great, Brad. You know, like we probably have a decent deal here. Well, the problem was that he had a $120,000 IRS lien. IRS liens go in second position behind the mortgage, but you know that's a real problem. So he effectively owed one hundred seventy thousand dollars on a hundred seventy-five thousand dollars house. Now, what made this deal a lot of fun is two things. Number one, there were four or five other investors that had looked at this deal in past. They said, "Hey, you, know, you owe one seventy, and you know it's worth one seventy-five. Obviously, I can't do anything. They're out, right?" So we had a group of wholesalers and investors go to look at this deal and couldn't do anything with it. So we see this deal and say, okay, well, you know, let's get it under contract and see how much time this IRS lien still has. In Tennessee and in most states, liens have a 10-year life, okay? And that means that whenever they're recorded, that they're recorded for 10 years. Now, 10-year and one day, they expire. And so at that point, they effectively don't exist. The person that has the lien, so the IRS in this case, could come in and reposition that lien, but it's a very, very rare thing that that would happen. So we have taken the deal and we decided to pull title. It Just lo and behold, that $120,000 lien only sta- remained on title for like another, I don't know, it was like six or eight months. So at this point, we know that that $120,000 has expired. Against title, so now there's only fifty thousand dollars owed on the property. We owner financed it for I believe one hundred eighty thousand with like five grand down. It needed some work, so we really didn't get that great of a down payment. But we now have one hundred seventy five thousand dollars owed to us with fifty thousand dollars owed on the property. Okay, so we have one hundred twenty five thousand and note equity on this property, and so that's a pretty fun little deal. But it's fun for two reasons. Number one, other investors looked at it and didn't know what to do with it, and then two, we have just you know we created equity out of understanding title it wasn't through construction it wasn't through anything other understanding how title works and how judgments work so that's just kind of a fun deal so that's number 3 let's move on to number 2 now this one is a deal that we did not do i tried in every way to figure out how to do this deal just because of the circumstances around the transaction so we had a an older lady call us I, you know i could tell on the phone she was an older lady and I didn't really know the situation, but I could tell she was distressed. So this was internet lead. We made the phone call and she said, well, my daughter has passed away and I need to sell the house so that her children have you know, some kind of money coming to them to, to help them out. So this lady, I think, had three teenage sons and it was just kind of a tough situation. So I said, okay, can you meet us there at the property? She said, sure. At this point, I was going to properties pretty often in my career. So me and my main acquisitions guy now, Tony, we went to this house. And so I pull up and the house needs some work and I'm beginning to begin my uh, repair request or list on, on my legal pad. So I'm going through and said, oh, it needs a roof. It needs windows. It needs siding. It needs a driveway and landscaping, all of this. So it's like, okay, it's, it's kind of tallying up pretty quickly. And so we go in the house and the house is vacant and it's cold. It's been vacant for a little while, I can tell. But I just kind of started to get this general uneasy feeling, right? So if you've ever been around someone and and you just thought, gosh, I just don't get the right feeling about that person, or you've been in a place and you sense like some sort of danger or uneasiness, I I just, I couldn't shake it, you know, and I'm not like a hocus pocus type of person, but, you know, I just kind of felt this feeling in my stomach just kind of nauseous and I just didn't like it. And so we're walking through this house and I notice that in the bedroom that the carpets pulled up and I thought, that's kind of odd, you know? So the carpets pulled up. It was just overwhelming at this point. I was like, I've got to get out of this house, right? I thank the lady and tell her we're going to run our numbers and everything. And so what I do is I Google the names that run title. And what we found out was that there was a murder suicide in that house. And so there was, the husband had killed the wife and then killed himself. And so I talked to the lady and what we came to the conclusion of was that they were joint tenants on title. So his husband and wife on title. And when he killed her, he became the sole owner of that house. And when he killed himself, then it was his heirs that at that point got the property. Well, the children that were her children were not his. So it was actually going to be his estate that had to sell us the house and not hers. So it was kind of a tragic situation that, you know, they kind of got robbed in a very, I guess in every way possible, they, they got robbed of their mother and their daughter. And, you know, the community lost a, a friend and, you know, these kids didn't have uh, any equity position in this house because how the chain of title worked. So it was just a weird situation, weird deal. You know, that was a crazy deal that we had happen. And, you know, it just kind of goes to show trust your gut, because a lot of times if you have a weird feeling or, you know, safety is a big thing, guys, like if you're going to houses and and you're not being safe, you know, I wish you the best of luck, but we have to be cognizant of what we're doing and who we're around because you never know what's, you know, in store for you people. There's some crazy people out there. So when we're dealing with the general public and some of the people we, we run across are just generally crazy, which brings me to number one, this was a transaction that we actually just did a few weeks ago. So to go through the numbers, we were buying this property for $107,000 and it was subject to $90,000. Okay. So $90,000 was owed on the house and $107,000 was what we were paying our seller. So it's $17,000 that our seller is supposed to get. We contracted it and then we knew it was like three months behind. But before we got to closing, so I think we had a 60-day escrow on this one, before we got to closing... The bank started the foreclosure process, which racked up attorney's fees and additional bank costs and all of this. And for those of you that have been in this business, you know how banks can run up a fee on somebody, right? We get the payoff, and the payoff is like 96000 and some change. So obviously, that comes off of what the seller's walking away with we are trying to close this thing. We're facing a foreclosure date. We're rushing to close, rushing to close. And we cannot get our seller on the phone for nothing. I mean, and she works nights and supposedly has a a drug problem and all of this. So we can't get her on the phone for anything. Well, she finally surfaces. Okay. And she says, yes, I'm ready to close. And at this point, the title company had even said, Brad, we really don't want to do this transaction with her. We're a little bit concerned about her. You know, she might be dangerous and all this. She just gives us a bad feeling. We'd rather pass. I said, no problem. And at this point, we are closing on a Monday to reinstate on either Monday or Tuesday to stop the foreclosure sale on Wednesday. So we're running out of time completely. We go to, to close this with a notary. So the title company came up with all the paperwork, all the facts and figures, the HUD and all this where it shows what she's walking away with. And instead of walking away with seventeen thousand dollars, she's walking away with like ten thousand five hundred and this woman has given us hell ever since, so she's texted us and you know called the title company and like all of this nonsense because she owed more than what she told us, and we certainly can't help that you know it's like not our position to know exactly what you owe when you tell us, and you show us a statement that says ninety it ends up being ninety six thousand that's owed so you know all in all i mean it was to the point that we considered filing a restraining order on her because she would just not let up and you know said that we robbed her and all this it's like look lady real estate attorney came up with the hud i mean it shows everything that's being debited and credited it's like we're not trying to pull anything on anybody and i tried to kind of talk her through it and at times she would kind of understand and relinquish that yes you know i understand that part but then she would just get angry, you know, and she would become emotional and there's no logic in emotion. So, you know, that's where we ended up is, you know, I threatened and, and said, look, if you call us again and text us again, we're filing a restraining order. And, you know, just like we did exactly what we said we'd do with the paperwork that we have that you approved. There's nothing more that I can do. And I hated that for we were paying it one hundred seven thousand, regardless of what was owed. So I don't care if she walks away with seventeen thousand or seventy thousand; it's the same to me because that's what I'm buying the property for. But you know, she had a different thought on it, and you know that's how it goes. So now all that to say, guys, if you do enough transactions, you're going to have some that go really, really well, and you're going to have some that go well. Like this last transaction, I mean, we owner financed the property for I believe one hundred seventy nine thousand. We had one hundred seven in it, so I mean, we did fine as a profit perspective on the deal, but. You know sometimes you just have some people that you just can't deal with and that's just part of it but now, if you do enough transactions, you're going to have things that go well and not so well and you know left field and right field and everything in between. So just keep in mind of that. Those are my top three crazy transactions that I've had. And there's a lot more just as good as these, but these are just the three that came to mind today. So we may do another podcast that goes over the, the next three transactions that are kind of crazy. But uh, anyway, so I hope that makes sense and happy investing, guys. Be safe and do some good deals.